Between the Banners, episode 17. Episode 2 of April 23rd, 2019. You can tell us the same day because I still have the same pollen sinus infection I had this morning. Just when you thought it was safe to celebrate Cole Anthony, the Heels went out and secured another commitment from a guy who, game-wise, is kind of like a four-year Cole Anthony. Anthony Harris, no, that's not going to be confusing in today's podcast, is Carolina's fourth signee for the 2019-2020 season. Our old pal Joel Carpenter was already planning to join me to follow up his debate piece about the end of an era at UNC. So old pal Joe Carpenter is going to tell me all about Anthony Harris. Joe. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I guess for the second best recruit to sign today, you got the uh, second best commentator here after uh, Jake was able to join this morning with uh, with some really quality comments, I thought, on Cole Anthony. So, you know, I, I will start by saying I am very excited, first of all, about this day for Carolina. But secondly, I think this pickup uh, can honestly turn out to be really, really good for Carolina for a number of reasons. I think Anthony Harris brings, um, first of all, he's he's got, he's got a strong level of talent, probably not going to be a one and done, as you pointed out. I don't know if he's going to be a four-year player, but he, he's going to be a multi-year developmental kind of guy. He's got an opportunity to play the the point and the two guard. Probably will be in the two, but that's going to depend on the depth a little bit for uh, Carolina going into next year. And I think that that's important. He's also demonstrated the ability to uh, shoot from outside, which I do think that there's clearly going to be a drop-off in the ability to do that for, for the Heels just based on what they lost off of a team that frankly spoiled a lot of fans over the course of the last year. Uh, and then finally, he also has a, the rare opportunity to be a good recruit who could get a lot better because I think the injury concerns, particularly off of his senior year, may have hampered his ranking a little bit. And so as we see him go into his freshman year, he's got a chance to climb pretty quickly and surprise some people. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for me is, you know, he is, according to interviews and whatnot, all set to be ready to play here this season, whereas, you know, a guy we were remiss not to mention on the first podcast today, uh, Jeremiah Francis is likely to redshirt, just, again, based on the fact that he hasn't really played in two seasons. You've got to get your legs back under you. Um, You and I discussed this off the air a little bit. I mean, Harris is a guy who really does project as a combo guard, and Roy Williams is generally going to let somebody fail at point guard before they move them to the two permanently. But it's, it's the type of guy that gives the heels the kind of versatility that they're really going to need going into next season where, you know, Leaky Black and Brandon Robinson are probably the two starters on the wings. But if you bring in Harris and you can slide down Cole Anthony to the two or spell Leaky or spell Robinson or spell Cole Anthony, I mean, you know, this is an absolutely huge pickup if he can come back healthy and, uh, really shine because, you know, his stock was very much on the rise before his injury. So this is an absolutely huge pickup for the Heels. Um, former v- Virginia Tech commit, so thank you, Buzz Williams, for going to Texas A&M and uh, reopening this one for us. The One other factor that he's going to bring to the court is a ball-handling ability, even if he's playing at the two. And, again, this is a sort of an underrated point that, Carolina fans took for granted during the course of the year. Not only did the team shoot very well, but 
in many of the lineups, all five positions could handle the ball and bring the ball down the floor, uh, particularly when, when May was playing the five. And that's not going to be the case next year. Leakey, of course, had some time at point guard uh, and was mildly successful in, in his minutes there. Robinson is not going to be a ball handler. Uh, Baycott's not going to be a ball handler. Brooks is clearly not a primary ball handler. And so it is going to be important that there be outlet options to be able to get the floor, the ball up the floor, um, particularly on the breakouts from rebounds when we're talking about the fast breaks coming up the wings. And that's one thing that, uh, that we are going to be able to, uh, hopefully take advantage of with having Harris on the floor. Absolutely. And at this point, you know, even, and we're, we're going to have to go back and do this again probably by midnight because one of the grad transfers is going to go ahead and commit too. But UNC is almost looking a little guard heavy. Seventh Woods is still there. Uh, Francis, if he does play, is there. Playtech, Robinson, Leakey. I mean, there, there are a lot of guys, uh, that can potentially pick up some minutes, but at the end of the day, you know, I don't really need, I don't, I don't really think we need to go much more into detail than, Harris is another guy that can very importantly, especially if uh, Brooks is playing the four next year, stretch the four for the Tar Heels. Yeah, that's right. Although I will point out that it's it's funny you say that the team is going guard heavy. This is a team that that had a guy at six eight play the center or the four position for the last two years, and so now the fact that we've got some taller guys that are going to be playing inside and more traditional big men, now we think that we're guard heavy which I absolutely agree with you. I think that's exactly the right perception of the team, uh, but I do find it to be a, a, just a little ironic. It is to a point because, uh, you know, I mean, Brooks has Brooks really developed his mid-range game a little bit late in the season, but he is not your classic face-up four that, you know, thrives in the modern game at this point. I mean, he's just an undersized five, but... He's going to have to be a four, and UNC, if nothing else, will rebound and defend really well next year. So um, I'm looking forward to having him grind a little bit. I, th- I think it's going to be fascinating to see how this develops. But, um, Joe, you wrote a p- you published a piece on TarHillBlog.com yesterday. Uh, we are calling this series, now that the Tar Heel hangover is a uh, moot point for the offseason, you're calling this the debate. Um, we did not get a chance to record last week because uh, – your host was maybe on an adult spring break, um, visiting the parents, visiting the beach, and doing uh, other things. But you wrote about the end of an era in Chapel Hill and kind of left it open to interpretation what era uh, meant there. When 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 I saw the post uh, go up, I was thinking, okay, yeah, he's talking about UNC becoming a one-and-done program with uh, Kobe White and Nasir Little leaving. And when we were going on to discuss this on the podcast, I was thinking, okay, well, this Harris commitment brings up a great point that UNC is still getting those continuity guys like Leaky Black, like Garrison Brooks, like Anthony Harris. That's not quite what you meant, though. Um, you left it open for interpretation just where you had a personnel transition piece in there. So um, what ultimately is the, you know, Point, counterpoint, and uh, which side do you want me to take? Because I will argue anything and everything here. Well, you could take A, B, or all of the above. I would tell you, I, I had thought through the the article and tried to lay out a couple of sides, and then there was just some great comments from readers that came on that presented points that, that I hadn't even considered. 
Absolutely. know, on the one hand, the the team from um, the the nineteen eighteen nineteen team coming in, uh, that was a team that was very highly regarded. Had a great mix of veteran leadership and freshman talent uh, coming in. We knew that most likely Little was going to be a one and done. I think it's a little surprising that Kobe was a one and done, although he certainly had all the tools. And I think Coach Williams and the team did a great job with him, and that he obviously individually did a great job developing. And and that makes a difference. But as we move into the nineteen twenty season, looking back over Roy Williams' time at Chapel Hill. This is going to be the largest loss of talent I think he has ever suffered without having won a national championship. And so you you look back at at some of the prior championship years that he had when he when he lost a lot of folks in the in the first in the 2005 season of course mostly not his recruits but he loses a whole slew of people he loses his top I think Six, seven people off of that team with Jackie Manuel, Jawad Williams, Melvin Scott, yep. Raymond Felton, Rashad McCann, Sean May, Marvin Williams go. That's a huge loss, but you win a national championship. And so you start over. He brings in the Hansborough class, great class. Uh, they progress. You get to 2009. They win again. He loses that class, plus Ty Lawson, Lane Ellington go. And you sort of start again, and it was a little different as we went through 17, because there were still holdovers, of course, as we know with, with Barry and Pinson as we go to through um, 17, 18, and then, of course, uh, we still got some holdovers with Luke May coming into this year, uh, with uh, Williams and Kenny Williams into this year, and, of course, with Cam Johnson his second year. And so you've continually had, I think, a fair amount of transfer since going back for the last decade. And now you've reached a point that there's a very clear split. And so on the one hand, you know, I, in my personal opinion is this is a new era and it's an era where you're not going to have the kind of upperclassmen leadership continuing on in the team. You, you know, in addition to that talent loss, I will just say for four years, Carolina has had an upperclassman preseason All-American on their team. And that is not going to be the case for the 1920 year. And I think that 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 marks a break that comes as a part of picking up some of that, uh, some of the freshman one and duns and and being a part of that and and readjusting your program to that. And I think to that, uh, to that end, I agree with you because, you know, 2009 was a major break where, you know, you really had Ed Davis as the holdover. And, you know, we, we know how that worked out. And I don't think that's, this is going to be an Ed Davis situation, but then, you know, that built up to the 2012 season that did not uh, work out in the heels favor. Um, I was, I was going to drop an F bomb, but you know, screw you, Creighton. And, you know, UNC had a couple of lean years, but I started building towards the, uh, the Page, Barry, Pinson, Jackson, Meeks, Hicks teams. Um, some of those guys got an extra shot. And then uh this past year, I mean, with Luke May taking the reins as a junior, you know, really kind of kept that vibe going for one more year. Cam Johnson was a big part of that. Um Coming in, not having a stellar first year, but being an absolute stud this year to where, yeah, when you, when you lose your top five scores, I mean, it is absolutely the end of an era. And, you know, UNC is dealing with a lot of unknowns. You lose 70% or 76% of your scoring from, year over year, you know, 
obviously on a per minute basis, you're not losing 76% of your scoring because some of those guys did not get the minutes, but it just creates a lot of question marks and it makes for a very interesting situation where, you know, every Tar Hill fan and their mother is counting on Leaky Black to emerge as, you know, an all ACC caliber player, if not, you know, maybe Maybe not uh, listed, but at least like a, as an honorable mention, you're looking for Garrison Brooks to emerge as a 13 and 8 threat instead of a 10 and 6 threat. Um, I mean, it makes it exciting as a basketball fan to know that you have returning pieces that are going to develop and that are going to become those guys. But, you know, at the end of the day, it absolutely is a transitional period that, uh, UNC has not dealt with really. I would argue since the uh, 2009 or 2009 2010 season just based on the amount of attrition that they faced. Yeah, I think that's exactly right and I think that it is indicative of looking at the one and done era and even the difference between last year and this year in how much you plan to depend on those freshmen coming in. And so if we go back a year ago and we had some preseason podcasts and talked about, you know, what the uh, input, what the development, what the obligations on like Little and Kobe White were going to be. And I think that we all very fairly debated whether or not Little was going to start. And of course, ultimately he didn't. And we all said that Kobe could be solid, but he's going to split a lot of time with Seventh Woods. And so coming into the year, I don't think we had particularly high expectations for those two players and the impact that they were going to have on the team because you're looking ahead at the upper class and, in this case, the senior or fifth-year leadership in the case of Johnson uh, on the team, and you knew that there was going to be contribution and development there. Fast forward one year, and and I think Carolina fans have to be more firmly entrenched in this new era because uh, with Cole Anthony coming in, I think it's very fair to say at this point that there is going to be a tremendous amount of pressure placed on him and obligation on him and expectations on him that we did not have even on Nasir Little, who also, of course, is a, a top five preseason ranked player, but one that we did, did not believe that Carolina would have to count on through the course of the year as the key to the team. And I think that's very different for Cole Anthony because of the roster turnover. And... I think if we're being a little bit honest with ourselves, I mean, if if you put uh, Kobe White and Nasir Little into a vacuum and just say we expect X amount of these players, I think um, they met those expectations as an entity. Um, you know, obviously we got more from Kobe and less from Nasir maybe than we would have thought. But, you know, Nasir playing in March was pretty much the platonic ideal of what Roy Williams would have a freshman doing in March. So, you know, don't, don't, don't take that as a slight in this year. Um, but I think you're right. I mean, I, I made the, uh, point on the podcast this morning that Cole Anthony's going to kind of have that Trey Young type target on his back. Um, fair or unfair. I mean, he's a guy who basically averaged a triple double against some of the best high school competition in the nation. He does not really have any established stars to defer to on this team. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't know if UNC is necessarily mired in the one and done era because they had two lottery picks that happened to be freshmen this year. I think they just happened to have two freshmen that 
were UNC caliber the year that they also had three seniors that were established leaders. And, you know, for, for me, I'm a little bit sated by the fact that they also picked up Anthony Harris, who I think is going to be probably, you know, a multi-year, at least honorable mention ACC, all ACC player, because he is, like I said earlier, a poor man's Cole Anthony, just a little bit behind developmentally, not quite as hype, not quite as athletic, but the type of guy that kills you when he goes to a Virginia Tech or a Clemson or a Syracuse. and. You know, the beautiful thing about UNC is you get that balance when everything is going right. You get the Marvin Williams for every Raymond Felton, Rashad McCants, Jawad Williams, Sean May. You get, you know, the Bobby Frazers and the Danny Greens and the Marcus Ginyards for your alpha dog, Ty Lawson and Tyler Hansborough, who happened to stay a little bit longer. So that's not a great example. But, you know, even if you have your Harrison Barnes, who's the number one overall player in the class, you sometimes exceed expectations with your Kendall Marshalls, but you also get guys who stick around. And and the beautiful thing about UNC basketball is that most of them do develop positively and they are better players when they leave UNC than when they get to UNC. And that ultimately is why I'm comfortable with this program because player development does not stagnate like uh, at some other places where, you know, we saw Zion Williamson outshoot R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish from three this year, for example. Yeah, I think that that's a great point, which perhaps goes to the the alternate or the counterpoint on the particular argument, which for the, the era debate, which is this is the same era. It doesn't matter that the players turn over. It's college basketball. Players always turn over. They, by definition, have a, a limited – uh, shelf life or playing career, if you will, and they're not going to be there. And we, as fans, get emotionally attached to to these players, and we feel like, especially the ones that are there longer, that we develop deeper attachments because we see more highs and lows with them. But the truth is that the program remains successful, and that this is a program that, coming into 2018-2019, was generally ranked in the top 10 uh, viewed as having some upside, a program that was going to be pretty good and was going to compete for, I think, preseason they were picked third in the ACC, uh, that they're going to do pretty well. I think going into 1920, you're going to have a top 10 preseason program, some upside, top three or four in the ACC, uh, going to project to improve over the course of the season. And so when you have that same level of success year after year after year, both preseason and at the end of the season, doesn't that really indicate that that we're still in an era? We're in a broader Roy Williams era of success, which has largely lasted for the previous eight or nine years. And the beautiful thing about that, to you know, kind of put a bow on it, is that yeah, I mean, UNC is going to underachieve slightly in November and December when Roy Williams is basically having open tryouts on the court in the non-conference season. And you're going to look up in the fourth week of February and the first week of March and the second week of March, UNC is going to either be matching or have outplayed its preseason expectations. And that's... uh 
That's why Roy Williams is the best in the business. So, um, Joe, we've, we've got a fascinating still couple of weeks ahead of us as uh, the rest of this roster rounds out, but we've also got a fascinating season ahead of us, what with conference games starting, what, November 6th this year and um, – you know, the heels having that amount of turnover, I mean, it, it, it's going to be very fascinating, but I do think you're right in that, you know, this team will probably rank eight to 12 preseason, probably fall into the twenties at some point, uh, before the new year and probably end up eight to 12, uh, by the time the postseason rolls around. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly right. I think you can expect more of the same. You can hope that it might be a little better or a little quicker. You can understand if it's a little worse just because the experience is different, but you know, that's what makes it, that's what makes a great offseason debate. And that's why we have the article up week after week. Well, let's do it again next week, my man. That sounds great. Thanks for having me on. Follow me at, at Joe Carpenter IV and we'll have a new debate on. And I would just like to say also that, uh, anybody that has ideas, leave them either in the, the comments on this podcast or uh, go on to the debate and leave a comment on there. Let us know other topics that you, you want us to touch on, and I'm sure we can cover them. It's a long off-season, folks. And um, just for the record, we have uh, we have nine reviews where people did leave five-star reviews. Somebody left a three-star. Somebody left a four-star. Um, going to avoid my second F-bomb here. But uh, if you put something in words, I can actually read something in words. So. Um, do that for me, good folks of uh, the Tar Heel Blog podcast listenership. Um, but until next time, we will be back uh, when Roy Williams creates more news or Mac Brown creates more news because he's uh, got three new commits that we need to talk about. So we'll probably be doing this again later this week. But um, for Joe, my name is Chad Floyd, Chad underscore Floyd on the Twitter. If you want to shoot me a message and uh, let me know something we should talk about, you know what? UNC baseball is not off the table. We got a guy for that. Um, we'll talk soon. Joe, thanks for joining us, and go Heels.